everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source, source, your premier source, <laughs> right, sports news and analysis. That's two weeks in a row I've messed up the intro. <laughs> I think I'm just going to leave this one in. We'll, we'll, we'll let, the, let the listeners have a, have a peek behind the curtain here. Hey, uh, I think we made it. What is this? I'd have to go pull it up. I think this is episode 49. Is that is that right? So I think if if you get one mulligan every 49 shows. Yeah, there we go. That 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 seems like a a decent ratio. That's reasonable. <laughs> uh anyway, as usual, uh please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast uh and then you can follow either the podcast itself at the Roost Pod or uh everything from the site at at the roost on Twitter. But yeah, we've got kind of a kind of a grab bag worth of things to talk about on the show for this week. Uh, not the I'm least of which excited. is, yeah, uh, we have an actual football game to talk about. Um, by the time this post, there will have been a few others, but as of recording, uh, there has been one division one football game and it was uh, Austin P versus central Arkansas. And it was, not a good game <laughs> in terms of quality of football played. And, and I'm not talking about that. It was an FCS game. I mean, it was just, it was just kind of a bad game, but Bonkers. it was, it was stupid in precisely the ways that we want, like a very entertaining, bad college football game to be. I mean, between the, the 75 yard touchdown on the first play and then the, you know, you had basically no scoring the whole game. And then all of a sudden in the last two minutes, uh, you know, everybody decided to drive the length of field for a touchdown. And then we got introduced to a, a very 2020 genre of like COVID derived weirdness. So I think it was Austin P their regular long snapper did not make the trip. And oh, no, so no, no. it gets better. It gets better. So like literally three hours before the game, news starts to break on Twitter that Austin P is going to be without multiple, quote, key players for the game against Central Arkansas. And that those key players end up being their star wide receiver, which that's important, and their starting long snapper, and also their backup long snapper and their backup backup long snapper. So Austin P <laughs> did not bring... <laughs> So like we talked about, you can go back in the the queue a couple episodes to, I think we talked about it on the special teams preview a little bit and on the defensive preview. Rice has a long snapper. They brought in a, grand tra a grad transfer long snapper and they have like four other guys that they're cross training as long snapper. So Austin P brought nobody. They had a backup linebacker snapping the ball and he did not do very well. <laughs> it was an adventure. Yeah, they had uh, they had a snap go high. And then a snap go low, both of which ended in very. So I think the one the one that went high was the first one. And the punter ran all the way back and grabbed it and got off the punt. It just ended up being a net of like negative three yards. Negative one, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Great. Spectacular. We love a negative yardage punt. Uh, and then the, the, the low snap was just a disaster. But after that, they were just like, well, this is not going to work anymore. So. On every fourth down where they were going to punt, they just had their quarterback pooch punt it or, or quick kick it. And it was uh, it was pretty good. It, it turned out fine. It turned out fine. Uh, but that was a particularly just delightful 
bit of weirdness. Yeah, it's it's funny because if for those who've been following on the site, I've been kind of doing it like a basically a weekly or a a biweekly COVID college football roundup. Just what is relevant in in the world of of college football today with everything that's going on. And there was a report from the Advocate on Baton Rouge that LSU lost all of four of its offensive, all but four of its offensive linemen to either a positive test or, or quarantine isolation this past week. Of course, LSU SEC hasn't started playing yet, so they had no game to play. But we had our first, the first college football game, which like you figure, like if there's ever going to be a game where both teams are at full strengths and their own bubble, like it should be the first one. And then we see what goes from there. But we saw this is what happens when a team has no healthy long snappers. And the, the actually, the, one of the reports coming into the game was mentioned that roommates of people who had who were isolating or testing positive with different regulations. So at this point, like I'm thinking like, OK, Brad Rosner and Blaze Aldridge are roommates like. Do we need oh, to like? Bad. Yeah, let's just put them up. <laughs> Do we need to like say, hey, y'all, just we'll just put plexiglass in the middle of their dorm? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's just it's so funny. The first game, this is what happens when you don't have long snappers. I'm looking forward to like Conference USA will have plenty of entertainment, and and we'll get to how close the race looks like uh, at the next portion of this the pod. But can you imagine? Like, I I want to see. Alabama play a football game but they have no healthy quarterbacks like they're just like you know put one of the running backs back wish there bone. wishbone the whole game like that would be <laughs> so much fun <laughs> the actual answer there I think is that they would probably they have a wide receiver that they use in the wildcat sometimes last year and they're probably going to keep doing that this year I think he like a lot of people was a high school quarterback so they would probably just have him be the full-time Wildcat quarterback, which I suspect is what a lot of teams would end up doing in that situation. But, okay, so while we're on these two teams, Central Arkansas and Austin yes. P, I just want to highlight how the two of them are the perfect microcosm of how the mishmash of schedules this year has just res resulted in some, like, absolute weirdness. So first of all, we, we can relate one of them to a news item. So... Uh, Central Arkansas played in the first game of the year, and they, unlike a lot of FCS teams, have just decided to basically become like a roving band of ruffians and just play everybody they possibly can this season. Like, most FCS teams aren't playing any games at all, or they only have a couple, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, Central Arkansas has nine games currently scheduled. Uh, just in sense of this weirdness, they play again on Thursday in Birmingham, they'll play two games before the vast majority of teams have played one at all. And in fact, several weeks before any many teams will play their first game, uh, they have two separate home and home series scheduled uh, this season. They have a home and home with Missouri State and a home and home with Eastern Kentucky. They also play North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome this year. That is North Dakota State's only game of the year. That will be Trey Lance's one opportunity to uh, raise his draft stock. Uh, and then Austin P has precisely three games scheduled. They have already played one of them. Uh, they will play again uh, uh, in, by the time you're hearing this, a week, September 12th against Pittsburgh. And then they wrap up their season playing Cincinnati on September 19th. 
So they'll play three games over the course of uh, four weeks, or no, three weeks, and that'll be it. That's their season. That is also Cincinnati's first game of the season. How many times do you think in the history of college football a team's last game has been another team's first game? When you're looking at, like, to bring this back with a Rice perspective, Rice isn't playing until October. So Austin P is going to start and finish their football season two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Before Rice plays. <laughs> like, it's one of those things. I think with the playoff, we've gotten into a, like, let's try and make college football somewhat uniform and fair. But even like a couple days into the 2020 season, I'm just like, I love the weirdness. Let's just like keep follow, keep college football weird. Like I need that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's the start. Like... Go ahead. I was just saying that in, and you know, we were talking about this before we hit, we hit the red button, but Austin P and central Arkansas, like that was a game that like had the current, environment not been how it was everyone probably didn't have circled on their calendar but watching the college football world stop and all focus on one game like that doesn't happen unless it's you know like the national championship game or the rose bowl (laughs) like it never happened for us it definitely had the feeling of like like a pac-12 after dark type game where we were all just like, I don't know, everybody on Twitter was locked in and just like, I don't know why I'm watching this, but I am I am glued to the TV. Well, and uh, the game didn't end till like 11, 15, 11, 20. Yeah. Like if this is the only game, like you probably could have done like a like a five o'clock kick or <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. know. Why it had to be 8 p.m. Central time. But kudos. I did watching the. The banner ads for Austin P in Central Arkansas, which, you know, great placement. Get onto ESPN and advertise your college. I, I now know more about the, the governors than uh, I had previously. <laughs> uh, I, I got to enjoy ESPN play-by-play guy Matt Barry repeatedly saying the phrase, a host of governors, which sounds like, uh, you know, like a hotel a hotel employee's worst nightmare if they're hosting a conference or something. Uh, but yeah. And that was a, just a lot thing. of, a lot of little, little oddities there. Well, cause it was, so it was, it was Matt Berry and, and Golick jr. Mm-hmm. Doing most of the, the broadcast work. And I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're the weird obsessive college football fans that might actually pay attention to who's calling some of these games, but it's, it was, and, in a very 2020 way, it was a kind of an unconventional pairing for the debut game of, of the yeah. season. And I thought it was pretty good. It, it was good. Um, like, I don't know. This is not a, a college football broadcasters review podcast. Barry is like perfectly serviceable. I mean, uh, he doesn't usually stand out one way or the other, which is usually good for a play by play guy. Like you don't necessarily want to be paying that much attention to that to him. I thought Golic Jr. was very good, though. I'm not sure I've heard him do play-by-play before. I thought I thought he was very entertaining. Yeah, I was. I had to place it for a moment because I'm like, I know that voice, but who is it? I mean, going back to Notre Dame, I'm like, Notre- oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm following. But yeah, it was just a, another one. And it's okay. And here's another quirk: we got into this last year, and I think the past like two or three years, 
have probably been when like week zero has kind of starting to take off and has been more than kind of yeah. a gimmick. Um, but ESPN aired the first college football game of the year and they spent all week leading up to and promoing the fact that we're a week away from college football in week one. Do not understand. It's 2020. Like everyone's craving for any sort of college football. <laughs> like, can't you just do both? Do like, we get college football tonight and in a week. I think every I can speak for the vast majority of college football fans that we will be celebrating every week that there is college football this year. Yeah, because we're in, we very well may not get a lot of them. I don't even know at this point how many games are. OK, I'm, I'm just pulling it up on ESPN. There are six total games scheduled for Saturday. Plus the, the two that are going to be on Thursday, that's Central Arkansas, UAB and South Alabama at Southern Miss. Uh, and then the Labor Day game is BYU Navy. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a sparse week one uh, on on that uh, UCA UAB game. So the matchup against Austin P was in was in Montgomery in uh, the illustrious Crampton Bowl, uh, and then obviously they play again on Thursday in Birmingham. So UCA just drove up to Birmingham and is staying in a hotel this week. The very good news there is that they apparently got all their COVID tests back uh, since the game and. Uh, nobody on the team has tested positive uh, since the game. So a plus good times, like good start. Yeah, I'm and there will be there'll probably be another round of tests before the game goes up and, and after we record. So we hope that's the case. But in theory, if this is going to work, what what Austin P went through is exactly what's supposed to happen. Right. So Austin P gets they didn't disclose but either a positive test or at the point where they're quarantined people for for so long so there was probably we're going to educate a guess some sort of corn or some sort of covid exposure on that team locked everybody down brought only the players who had tested negative and were not going to spread it played a football game and the other team did not get it as of this very moment in time man i'm going to cringe after this recording, if I see news that anything is of the contrary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, th I, this really was a a big stepping stone that the co college football world is going to be watching closely over the, the course of, of this week. Because if you can't play one game between two teams of relatively close proximity, then you're not going to be able to do a full season. So... <laughs> Yeah, no. one thing at a time. This was a good one thing. Like, I don't know how much I don't know that your optimism should like increase a whole ton that that this worked, that this game wasn't a disaster, that we didn't have an outbreak, whatever. Uh, but if it hadn't gone well, uh, I think your your optimism would probably go down quite a bit. So. Uh, yes, it's we're not, not recording. It's not talking bad about news. We're not talking about the start and the end of the college football season yeah. on this podcast. And that that's good news. Any small win in 2020 is we'll we'll take it. We'll take whatever we can get. Yeah, well, we'll get more central Arkansas, which <laughs> I didn't know I needed, but big fan. Oh, and one last note on them. So I, I've I've pointed out uh, some uh, the, the couple of universities that still use uh have different names for their different gender sports teams. Oh. Uh, 
did we talk about this on a previous episode? I feel like it came up. It's come up because I always uh, bag on Louisiana Tech for not even having a sensible one. Like most of them just do like the lady blanks. Like, you know, Tennessee is the lady balls for the basketball team. And uh, yeah. Hawaii is cool. Yeah. 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 The lady, te- the, the bulldogs and the lady texters. Cause you know, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Central Arkansas's women's teams. So their, their, their men's teams are the bears. Their women's teams are the sugar bears which frankly is fantastic and should just be the name of all their teams, in my opinion. And like, you know, we're, we're approaching the world of, of more open sponsorship opportunities for, for athletes and institutions. Right. So like, why is like Herbo gummy bears, like not all over this? (laughs) Like, I like it. Yeah. Promote them. Make a purple there. (laughs) No, like, Eminem will do. You can get whatever color Eminem you want for whatever purpose, and they'll, they sell little goodie packs at whatever holiday it is. I'm just saying, the Central Arkansas Hairbo is it? It's Hairbo, Hairbo, Harrybo. There you go. I'm I'm rusty on my my gummy bear types, <laughs> but you know this is this is what happens when you get get us without a college football for too long, and it it rushes into our system too quickly. We start going sugar happy the thing goes a little weird yeah <laughs> but yeah it was man it was a strange strange game and at one point we were talking about the the pooch kicking i think the austin p kicker well kicker slash punter slash quarterback had like five punt attempts and seven complete passes in like the third quarter beginning of the fourth quarter or something like that that's an extremely like 1941 college football stat line. Oh, all of it was so strange. And then <laughs> he leads like a 75 yard touchdown drive after the offense had done nothing for 50 minutes. Also, I don't know what. Um, I was very pleased to see that two great notes uh, items of like football nerd thing there. Um, one, I was very appreciative of Gullet Jr. Shout out of the bear front uh, a couple times when I think. Central Arkansas used it that that old uh, 1985 Bears 46 defense as they sometimes called it uh, and the other one was the the truly spectacular uh, pistol flex bone formation that Austin P ran for a huge percentage of their plays and they did this the, I'm not sure I'm not really sure what the the thinking behind this is but they had the two wingbacks uh, facing inward like hands on knees at the snap and so it was like I saw a bunch of people calling it like the the committee formation. Yeah, I can't say because the the like the diamond and even the wing with the backs, that's not revolutionary. Like that's been that's been done. And but them facing each other, it was just all kind of it felt like every tray with every play was like some sort of, okay. this is a special trick play that they're setting up for. But they ran it all game. And then when they did, when they did try the, it was like a, it, I don't know, it was like a reverse, like flip back to the quarterback. He overthrew the guy by 25 yards. Of course. Had him wide open. So it was, it was great in the event that something happens where we get less college football that is currently scheduled this year. And we need to go pull, you know, ESPN or somebody always does like the top games of the year. It's like the top 100 or whatever, like 
so far, Austin P. Central Arkansas making a strong contention for like top <laughs> 10, like just for everything that it was. Maybe not quality, but. Yeah, yeah. We enjoyed it. Was, it. Uh... <laughs> so that was that was one game. And, and after. We had that game go final. We had a couple of notes if we want to jump forward a little bit to Rice. We have a football schedule with kickoff times and opponents and dates. And we had to wait till the end of August, but it's here. So I will uh, I'll read through it real quick. Uh, we got our Rice's opener on October 3rd at Marshall. <laughs> Then uh, October 10th, we get UAB at home. That's going to be the home opener. We have a bye three weeks into, well, the third week of Rice's season and the seventh week of the actual <laughs> season. And then after that, the next set of games start on October 24th and we go straight through. We get home Middle Tennessee at Southern Miss, home UTSA at Louisiana Tech, at North Texas, and closing it out at home against utap that is a eight game schedule only conference opponents at this point it's looking pretty unlikely that anything else changes in terms of additions so you have a eight game schedule for rice all games scheduled to be televised well uh shown on espn3 slash espn plus which is honestly kind of a bummer yeah Given, I mean, Conference USA's, we could do an entire podcast on Conference USA's conglomeration of media affiliates. If Very you will. odd smorgasbord yeah. of, of, of broadcast partners. But um, from what I can see, it's going to be a lot of CBS Sports Network, Stadium, and ESPN3, ESPN Plus, a little bit of actual ESPN this year across Conference USA. It and I haven't been able to find anything from, I don't think the conference has said anything to this point, but the NFL network last year signed up for a four year deal with the conference. And last year was year one and there are no games on the NFL network this year. So I, and the conference has not said what happened, but they're gone, which it's not great if you want publicity for your conference, if you can play on the NFL Network or you can play on it ESPN Plus. You'd pick one of those over the other. Yeah. The other thing that jumps out to me about the schedule is that it's fairly... Uh, so you open the season in Huntington. or Open your season, I guess, is probably the better way to say that. Uh, but then after that, they don't go any farther than Biloxi. Like, it's... You've got... F- uh, Wait, is it just Biloxi? Biloxi. No, uh, Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg. <laughs> Southern Mississippi. <laughs> the Southerners coming out. Yeah. Uh, you've got four home games and then the, your three away games from there are in Ruston, Denton and Hattiesburg. So, you know, for what it's worth in terms of travel being related to safety, uh, which uh, I don't know to what extent that's really true, but. Most of the time, you're not going too far, so there's something, I guess. Yeah, and UTEP's coming to you, so you don't have to travel yeah. however many millions of miles it is to get to UTEP. <laughs> um, 
might not be quite that bad. So we'll see. It it, it works out that Rice is going to the back half of their schedule, at least UTSA, Louisiana Tech, North Texas, and, and UTEP. That's a, uh, a new coach at, at UTSA, a complete reset on offense and quarterback for uh, Louisiana Tech, North Texas, and basically UTEP. I feel like UTEP is in that boat more often than not. So the back half looks pretty pretty good for Rice. And then, well, if we start with the front half, Marshall is going to a new starting quarterback after their starter transfer transferred and Southern Miss. I, I feel like they had a string of like a week here where they lost five or six key defensive players to the transfer portal. So things, things shaping up pretty well for, for rice on, on the schedule front, assuming, you know, and we can get to how you judge this abbreviated condensed sealant season, but you know, that eight-game slate looks pretty manageable for Rice, all things considered. Yeah, uh, which dovetails into our next topic, which is that uh, CUSA uh, conference title odds have been released. And Oh, I got is, these. These are interesting. Rice is sitting all the way down at uh, 100 to 1, or a plus 10,000 if you prefer it in that form, which seems a little... You know, this is not normally a podcast where we sit here and say, like, why don't they respect Rice? But, like, <laughs> that feels a bit low to me. Like, uh, so weird was... things have happened. Like, I don't know. If I were a betting man, I would I would tell you that that is a very, very good value play, I think. So we'll we'll give some context first. And, and I think the top half of this is not really going to surprise anybody so uab is the favorite nine to four fau and western kentucky are next five to one louisiana tech after that with marshall and southern miss are eight to one and that that grouping of six teams i think even before we had odds or everything that's changed with covid that was kind of a pretty fair consensus of like we think one of these six is is gonna win and then from that point that's where it gets really interesting because you have middle tennessee 20 to 1 charlotte and north texas 40 to 1 fiu at 50 to 1 rice utsa 100 to 1 and utep at 500 to 1 i'm scratching my head and last year's performance Wait, so really so what side are you getting these from this is from superbook sports brett mcmurphy put it out hmm. on on monday so I'm just I, I'm sure you can get a little bit different here and there. I, I, but ju- I just looked at one that was 33 to one for Rice, which that feels a lot more that, reasonable. Because yeah. tell me what world the Rice that beat beat North Texas last year is returning the majority of his defense. That was the reason it beat North Texas last year. And North Texas is without Mason Fine. Tell me how Rice like if you want to make a case that North Texas is more likely to win the conference than Rice. Fine, I'll listen. Like that could be reasonable, but are they twice as likely? Two and a half times as more likely to be to win the conference than Rice? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And then Middle Tennessee at twenty to one feels way high to me. I mean, I I'm a big time Asher O'Hara fan. I he didn't make the All Conference team for Conference USA, and I mean, you know, you only pick a quarterback, so I'm not 
too bent out of shape. I not that big of a deal, but man, I love Astro Hero. But if there's going to be a league where one quarterback can do everything for you, it it might be Conference USA. But even Mason Fine was not able to overcome that last year for for North Texas. So my goodness, twenty to one for Middle Tennessee. Yeah, that. Then, um... Yeah, so I would say you know, especially in this weird season where. You know, who knows how things are going to turn out. You know, if you've got a if you're the sort of person that just throws around one hundred dollars on a casual bet, um, you could win one hundred. You could win ten thousand dollars on rice uh, to win the conference. And I, I think you're the odds are worth that play. If that's something that you're into, <laughs> I believe this... that's still illegal in Texas. So that is this is certainly not. uh <laughs> <laughs> This is the but point where saying, if this was a promo on your TV, you'd see that really, really small tech that Carter, Matthew and the Roost do not. But if you win, you know, like all disclaimers, but like <laughs> if you're somewhere where that is endorsed by the law, you know, I, I certainly think there are worse values out there. Yeah. And I think and so I saw that number and then something else came out that I th- I think this is a more useful tool of again we're we're assuming for this conversation that we're going to have some semblance of a, of a normal season which we might not but I I saw Conference USA Sports Central they put out a a chart that had a a compilation I guess of the Massey and ESPN FBI odds and projected win totals and Massey's just kind of basically pull all of the computers together into one number more or less so it's a it's a pretty good approximation of all things as a whole i i think that's where i tend to land so yeah they have rice's projected record between massey and, and fpi at four and four and basically saying there's about a about a one out of three chance that you play an eight game season for rice three times, you're going to get up to about four wins uh, a third of the time and maybe a tad over tad under It's basically saying there's like a 60, uh, a good, a good window that rice is a three to five win team more times than not when this season is played through. And when you look at their schedule, if you're saying the toughest teams you're playing are, are UAB, and then probably road trips to, you know, two of three Marshall, Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech. Like, yeah, like I don't. Rice certainly won't be favored to win any of those games. Not saying that they can't, but that that feels feels about right as far as an expected total. You're putting it four and four, but I think maybe that's the heartburn, and maybe that's you know the odds makers playing their games is that Rice. I don't. I would be very surprised if rice is the 12th i guess 12th best third third how does that yeah yeah the the 12th best team in the conference at the end of the year right like i don't think they have earned the uh respect to be up there with uab as, as conference favorites but i certainly think they're much closer to this year at least in the middle of the pack if not a little bit higher than sitting down there with utsa who i mean no offense new head coach <laughs> recruiting and starting in the middle of a pandemic and the right. overhaul that they have to, that seems like light years, different way, light years away of a situation. Yeah. Like I would say like four and four seems like a very like reasonable 
most likely outcome, I would say. But it's much easier for me to see Rice exceeding that or, or possibly significantly exceeding that than it is for me to see them being significantly worse than that. Yeah, and I think so because if we if we think back and we get in the way back machine and we go all the way back to like March, when you know we'd gotten to the point where we're kind of starting to look ahead and signing day is over and we're looking at the season at that point and really at the end of last year, the marching orders you know at South Maine where this is a bowl team like that's the goal yeah. and so the expectation for Rice this year at least from folks within the program and, and kind of close to it, was that this is a team that expects to get to six wins in, in some form or fashion. That was kind of where things were heading. And I think most most of the you know preseason magazines and predictions and stuff had rice somewhere around a five or six win team, so about that level. So if you put that four and four as a, as a baseline, you tack on a win over Lamar, which we would have expected on a talent differential alone and then you're you're adding in one more win whether that's in conference or Bayou Bucket or Army you know or LSU I feel like they've lost their entire <laughs> team at this point yeah as of, <laughs> as we know we were, we're recording this on uh, on Monday the 31st uh, aka the day that LSU's entire team that hadn't already opted out just decided to opt out which like the timing of it is sort of odd, but at the same time, you know, as weird as this season is going to be, and after just having put up, like, maybe the greatest and certainly one of those memorable championship seasons in college football history, I can respect everybody on that team that just go, that looks back in last year and just goes, you know what, we ain't topping that, I'm out. Like, I get yeah. that. That, can you just that, picture? that is a very relatable feeling. Like, I, I know we're not doing the SEC is not doing any non-conference games, so we won't have this opportunity. But this would be this would be the complete, like, weird confluence of circumstances where a team that has no business, you know, hanging around with LSU, like the the UCFs of the world that think think very highly of themselves like Tulane. Wouldn't that be great? Like Tulane's probably middle of the packish American. Tulane yeah. goes down and, and, and beats LSU and, and Tiger Stadium, which is a completely depleted LSU team with talent, but nobody who's ever really seen the field before. And then Tulane just refuses to schedule them ever again. Like, <laughs> I don't care if it's petty. Go That'll out on top. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Tulane fans. So, but we'll see. We're not going to get that game. But uh, either way, bringing it, if we circle back on, on Rice, I, I think that's kind of expectations for for if we're entering the season if you're if, if you're calling for six wins roughly i mean we'll take 12 i don't know i guess wh what if rice makes the playoff and wins a game it can only get up to 10 at this point if we're <laughs> we're not going to go that far 10 and no national champion rice yeah yeah, yeah. hey Everything. i would take it you would that would be the first 10 and no national <laughs> champion since <laughs> Shoot, they've been playing 11 games for a long time. Like, the 60s? Yeah, I feel like there were probably some non-standardized schedules in the in the 60s where they would have been. In the heyday. Yeah. When Rice was crushing. So, it, yeah, there we go. It would be very on brand. <laughs> Here's our pitch. But, yeah, so if that's the case and you're, 
we have absolutely no idea what bowl seasons are going to look like. Absolutely no idea at this point. So, but if that standard of, you know, you're a a six win team out of out of 12 games, I, I think for for Rice's measuring stick. As the schedule is currently constructed, you're looking at some sort of season that I think the floor of expectation is is four and four. Yeah, uh, like, like I, I think it's more. I, I think we sort of shied away. Like we, we we talked about some stuff like this at the end of last season, and it, it's definitely the sort of thing we would be talking about were this a normal year and we weren't still like a full month away from Rice's first game. But recalibrating to that eight game season. I would honestly feel pretty disappointed if Rice didn't go 500 against the schedule. Like, and see, here's the curveball though, and this is why like no one is allowed to clip this and play it back when something like <laughs> like there's a real world where Rice gets through their first two games, something happens, like they have the quarterback room test positive on the bye week, and they have to go play. Middle Tennessee and Southern Miss, two games that are winnable. Like Rice is definitely not Rice. Rice beat Middle Tennessee last year, and they can uh, should have maybe not should have, but could have beaten Southern Miss last year. Like yeah, winnable games. Like walk this out. Like Rice loses a quarterback room, or Rice loses their their front seven or half of their front seven because they don't travel for a game. And you know what? Rice loses at UTSA. Or, or a home against UTSA and they're missing, you know, pick whatever position, like the wide receivers or like something bizarre yeah. happens. Like this is the point where like, as we talk about this and we don't, we don't know, like it's, we don't know what the world's going to look like by the time Rice is playing football in October, certainly not November. Yeah. And so it, it feels so arbitrary right now to even like, put expectation on anything right like you have to anytime you're saying i think rice goes you know x wins y losses or this is my prediction or this this is how i think things should go you have to everything has to have the preface is that's that's assuming things go off without a hitch and you don't have a game where you're missing half your team or or whatever happens because there's just no way you can like the possibilities are so myriad in those circumstances that you just can't, it's ridiculous to sort of plan out those scenarios. And I think that's part of the reason we, we haven't really been talking about this kind of stuff because it's like, you know, who knows what's going to happen as the season gets closer, uh, assuming we actually get to it. Um, you know, we might start bringing that stuff up more, but any prediction has to be prefaced with, assuming something crazy doesn't happen and you don't have a game that is really, really affected by that, which is, which is not to say that that happening is unlikely. It's just the particular circumstances of any like outbreak on the team or whatever are so unpredictable that it's, it's sort of useless to say like, well, Rice should go five and three, but you know, if their quarterback room gets wiped out, they can go three and five or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's, it's sort of useless to, to try to envision those scenarios because it, and, and you flip it back the other way, right? So let's say, you know, 
Rice starts off their season, you know, and they they beat UAB. Who cares? Like what happens against Marshall in the East? Not as relevant. Rice beats UAB, okay, which is uh, the uh, the odds favorite to win the the West in, in Conference USA. Then some confluence events happens where other games that might be more challenging opponents get postponed or canceled, and you know Rice finishes the season with everything going on and like with every like Rice finishing like I don't know like five and two or four and two like something like weird with that with cancellation and thing happen ha- things happening and UAB loses another game because of how everything like. Rice can make the conference US, USA title game like and it it really wouldn't be that far fetched given everything going on like and it wouldn't necessarily mean that Rice is the best team in the West. But if they have if they're playing at their best on the right day or two and random things happen, which very well might happen. We have no long snappers travel for <laughs> Southern Miss like like that's why this season is going to be so much fun because you, it's not like. You know, Carter, we, we talk for an hour every week and we pretend that we have some idea. We, we, we never do, but we now we now have even less. Yeah. Which would be wonderful. <laughs> I'm all in. But we will see if, if we are going to take. Take stock at how we're how we're doing, if we were going to take a, a kind of big picture look at at the conference and who's still here, it's, you know, it's kind of cliche to, to look at just the odds and go with them. But the, uh, the losses Southern Miss has Louisiana tech breaking in a new quarterback, North Texas breaking in a new quarterback, everything going on with UTSA and UTEP UAB is, is really the only program that has a good amount of continuity at quarterback and defense. And they're returning the leading running back in school history. So it kind of makes sense (laughs) that they would be the odds on favorite to to win if that works out so i i would not be shocked if they're uh representing the west by the time we get to the end of the season does that kind of make sense in your brain as well yeah but you know on the flip side like there's an entirely possible world where every game happens as scheduled in conference usa and rice wins all of its games like there is not an unwinnable game on that schedule and there's not any one where you're even like well if if everything goes right and they play horrible and we play our absolute best like that's what it's going to take there's not like okay UAB is probably the best team in the conference they're they bring a lot back Rice brings a lot back was that game in Birmingham last year unwinnable for Rice? Could Rice have won that game if a couple of breaks had gone their way? Like, if yeah. they had not just allowed three sixty-yard touchdowns, <laughs> which in, in most like every other game of the season, like even against Baylor, yeah, yeah, yeah. NFL wide receivers they stopped. Yeah, no UAB. Like again, UAB's favored for a reason. Like they have literally been there and done that again and again. So it makes sense. But is there a world where Rice beats UAB? Absolutely. And it's not crazy. The gap between, you know, if you throw out a football and Rice plays UAB, Rice beats UAB more times this coming season, assuming health, than UTEP beats Rice. Like the gap between Rice yeah. and yeah, the cream agreed. of the crop in the West is closer than the gap between Rice and the bottom of the West, which 
is not something you could have said a couple years ago. But I yeah. think that's absolutely true with where the program is today. And it's not anywhere near like if you think of Rice's, I don't know, if we're assuming, assuming a certain improvement, if we say that Rice is probably a middle of the pack team in CUSA this year. Like, I think that's a very reasonable thing to say. If you compare that to like any power five league, the difference between the middle of the pack and the absolute best teams, like, I don't know, what's more likely Rice beats UAB or uh, uh, what's a middle of the pack ACC team like NC State beats Clemson. Like, that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, you could literally pick. I mean, yes, you can't pick the Big Ten or the Pac-12 because they're not playing. But yeah. like, like A and M beating Bama, like probably a better chance. Like A and M could beat Bama, but probably a better chance Rice beats UAB. Yeah, you know, pick your league. Like, is Minnesota, you know, go Gophers row the boat? Are they going to beat Ohio State? And that might be the best team in one of the divisions of the Big Ten. Yeah. So that's a that's a fair point. Which is why I mean, and I, we've gone back and forth, and you know, obviously we we spent probably fifteen minutes breaking down Central Arkansas and Austin P. Like we love college football. We'd like it to happen if it can happen safely. That's one of the reasons why, like this season in particular, was the one that you know we were circling for Rice. Where you know I think think things are going in the right direction this might be year where things break through be a real shame not to get to see it especially because i mean if you're talking if if uib in the west we'll we'll call them the cream of the crop because they've been there and done that and bill clark has has built a machine it's going pretty well If, if they're the best and you if you want to argue for louisiana tech or southern miss being that next tier okay but the middle tier of Conference USA, it's it's really probably UAB at the top, UTEP at the bottom, and then everybody else varying shades of gray in between. It, yeah, it's not, they're all pretty packed in. It's, uh, it's a lot like the ACC back like, uh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, maybe not seven years ago, because that would have been the 2013 Florida State, but, you know, back in the days when the ACC had like six, six and six teams where they were all, it was just this this absolute morass of teams that were all going like four and four or three and five in the conference. Like, that's kind of what CUSA is like right now. division title? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, and that's, like, would it, it's not going to be crazy this year. Like, the team who wins the conference, if they go five and three, like, very on-brand conference USA. Very, yeah, very, very well, on-brand. Wins, wins the, the whole, West, right? What if you made a, cult, a whole conference out of the ACC Coastal? That's kind of what we're going for here. Well, yeah. And it's interesting because the East, so Old Dominion canceled in the East, and their games, the conference is not replacing them. So the East is only playing seven conference games. The West is playing eight, minus UAB and and UTSA, who are only playing seven because they lost the Old Dominion game. So... You're you're already gonna have weird stuff with numbers and games. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, can't wait to get to the end of the season where we're arguing who had the better year, the the four and one team or the uh the three and two team that played the best two teams in the other division. Like it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh everything's weird. 
everything's weird. If you've, if you've made, caught nothing as we've kind of talked through this podcast, that's kind of where we're at. So we'll see if this week one of, of college football, we will have Conference USA. One of the, you know, for better or for worse, with everything going on, Conference USA is going to get a good amount of pub on week one, which they might not otherwise. So you have Southern Miss and UAB. They're going to be kicking things off Thursday, September 3rd. Precisely one month before Rice's first game. Bizarre. And so the first FBS versus FBS game of the season is South Alabama at Southern Miss. Which the winner gets to the upper half of the combined Conference USA Sunbolt Conference. That hasn't happened yet, but we're, we're getting there. We dream of it. Right. <laughs> and then of the other games happening this first weekend, we have Eastern Kentucky at Marshall, Houston Baptist, North Texas, Middle Tennessee at Army, and then SFA at UTEP. And then we got SMU, Texas State, Arkansas State at Memphis. So one, two, three, four, five, six. And then BYU it's Navy. USA Showcase Weekend. So six out of the nine games on week one feature Conference USA teams. <laughs> If Conference USA goes, those are, they should. Well, and most of those teams are, most of those games are against FCS teams, so they should win the majority of them. Yeah, except for Middle Tennessee and Army. Like, if you, if Conference USA sweeps week one of the season and UAB beats reigning number one ranked team because they're <laughs> undefeated Central Arkansas, like, we have to just, preemptively decide, decide that Conference USA is the best team in, com- in co- Conference USA is the best conference in college football in 2020. I mean, the season could very well be canceled the week after that, and we would have no choice. Like, uh, I guess CUSA isn't quite as catchy of a chant as SEC, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, get there. To it. We'll find yeah. a way, and we will. We will get an email from the league office if that happens afterwards. <laughs> Announcing that Conference USA has what do they call that the trophy that they do every year for uh, the conference that wins the most bowl games or best bowl winning percentage? Oh, you know what I'm saying uh, I don't even remember. But Rice yeah. has won it like twice in the past like three or four years, and so they would probably preemptively claim it at that point, and that would be <laughs> fantastic. Oh man! So yeah, this this week is going to be interesting. Everyone, watch it. Enjoy college football. We're going to see it. I don't like if we can watch Austin Peay in Central Arkansas. Like, you darn well, we're watching South Alabama and Southern Miss. Oh yeah, <laughs> or and, and even HBU, they they get North Texas. They're another one of those FCS schools that I think they've scheduled out just a a mini three or four game season against FBS team, and they're going to cast their checks, and that's it. Cash those checks. Yep. It's well, bizarre. all right. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, very grab baggy episode. Uh, we will be back next week. Hopefully college football is still on then. Uh, we still have a couple more weeks to fill before we, we get into previewing actual games for Rice. But uh, as long as... a couple more things up the sleeve. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, 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 we'll make it through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll see y'all then. And Bryce, fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.